I feel like a cheerleader when our when our, when our soundtrack comes on. And I just gotta. And then you start moving. start moving. Every single show, I start dancing. Guys, welcome back to UFC Roundup. Paul Felder, Michael Chiesa, UFC 289 in Canada. Michael, we're going back to Canada. It's been too damn long. I will be there. I'm going to be on the call. I'm very excited to get back there. Amanda Nunes, the Lioness, is making her return. Irene Aldana gets her shot. And then a co-main event for the ages between Benil Dariush and Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Let's just jump right in. Obviously, we're going to have our fan questions, our five rounds. We'll get right into that in a little bit. But let's talk these um, these two headliners real quick. Amanda Nunes, she's back. What are your thoughts on this matchup? What are your thoughts on Irene Aldana stepping in and taking this challenge? You know, obviously, I wanted it to be Juliana in this fight. I wanted her to be in there to settle the score. Uh, you know, the, yeah. one on one with Amanda Nunes. She got to finish the first fight. Obviously, things didn't go her way in the second match. So this was a perfect time to have the trilogy fight. Um, and unfortunately, Juliana sustained an injury. I don't know the extent of the details of what went on. But when opportunity comes knocking, Irene Aldana was there to answer the door. And she was already kind of, you know, a lot of people speculated that she might be the one that's going to fight Amanda next before they an announced that Juliana would be fighting her in the trilogy. So I think that she had this fight in the back of her mind. And man, Aldana with, with two things, with the momentum of the Mexican fighters right now and her violent left hook. I mean, it's a perfect recipe for her to go up, to, go out there and shock the world in Vancouver, BC. Yeah, she was in camp. Um, Morgan's uh, reminding us that she was already in camp for, for Raquel Pennington. So yeah. that's always good, right? Whenever we can get a fighter to step in for an injured fighter, when they're already in camp, they're already preparing the mindsets there. It just got to step it up the next level to be taking on somebody like Amanda Nunes. And we're going to get into more details on Amanda Nunes in particular. We've got a good fan question that's going to talk about her motivation and such later on. I want to talk about the co-main event real quick. We're going to also talk a lot of that. I mean, I absolutely love both of these lightweight fighters. I mean, obviously, Charles Oliveira has just been on an absolute storm until he faced Islam Makhachev, which is understandable. That dude yeah. is an absolute savage, scary human being of a fighter. Yeah. But Benil, finally, not the title shot, but a step in the right direction for him to be getting the respect that he deserves. This guy is starting to get a real chip on his shoulder because he feels with the win streak that he's on that he deserves a title shot. Now he gets to face Charles. What are your thoughts? Do you think this is the right move? This is kind of what we said should be. If you're not going to give him a title shot, we say give him to Bronx, and he got it. Yeah, you know, Dana's even come out and said when when, it, when a fighter publicly says, well, I'm going to sit and wait for the title shot, it usually doesn't go their way. That usually yeah. doesn't really pan out for the better. So for Benil, this is the best thing because Charles, it's the way Charles fights, it's either you become a part of his highlight reel or he becomes a part of yours. He, he has this live by the sword, die by the sword type of style where it's finish or be finished. So for Benil, it's it's a dice roll, but I do think the odds favor him where he's going to go out there. And if you're going to beat Charles Oliveira, it's not going to be over five rounds. It's not going to be over three rounds. He's either going to he's either going to make you go out on your shield or he's going to go out yeah. on his. So there's no better way to, to make a to, to produce a convincing win. Than to go out there and fight a guy like Charles Oliver because if you beat him, you're going to beat him by finish. It's going to be an exclamation mark on this huge win streak that you've been on, and you're going to be the guy that's going to be next in line to fight for the title. Yeah, I agree. It's it, 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 to me, it's a no brainer. If you're going to take a fight and you want to go and prove yet again that you deserve to get that title shot, you go and beat Charles Oliver. There's no question about it. That that's 
Sorry, Michael had to step away. I think it's dog related. Dog related, but I heard the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I know, I know you heard it. I'm just reminding the fans. And by the way, for the fans at home too, real quick, I- I'm in Roanoke, Virginia, in an Airbnb. So if we have any, you know, sounds that don't sound too great, if you see the very blase background here, it's uh, yeah, it's no log cabin like Michael's living. Yeah, blue, and it probably just burst through the uh, sliding door if I didn't let her in. So I figured I'd save myself a couple grand because I just installed these nice sliding doors. Figured I'd let my yes. dog in. But I got you on the mic so I can hear you right behind me. I, I, I appreciate it. And you know what? I think uh, I think it's time. Let's get these yeah. fan questions in. And guys, remember, post your fan questions. Me and Michael will send out reminders. We'll try to put a tweet out every week to remind you that a pay-per-view is coming up or we're wrapping up a pay-per-view. We'll try to be more active during the broadcast. Obviously, this one I won't be active. Hopefully, Michael could send some tweets out during the pay per view this weekend. But yeah, because you're up I'll there, you, the you take Rogan's spot on the international cards. Yeah, I I, I get the hand me downs. I get the hand me downs. You get to go to Vancouver, BC, man. You're on my side of the U.S. You know, Vancouver is only like seven hours from my house, so we've got we've got dinner plans all over that place already set up we will be yeah. we will be dining in in vancouver i'm very excited to go and uh yeah and enjoy i love vancouver yeah going back to canada i'm very excited yeah. ufc the fans there are incredible and they've been itching to get a, a return you know, last, and they get a pay-per-view last event bc so. was uh Cerrone, uh Cerrone Gaethje. And, and i was there i got to work the desk for that one Good little fact. Oh, wait, no. Fact away from no, that. Uh, I didn't work that one. No. You're probably still fighting then. You're still in the mix. Oh, I'm still working it, but I didn't get to. Uh, yeah. All right. But anyway, that that being said, let's get the five Morgans. Let's bring the five rounds up. Let's see what the first one is here. For Amanda, how do you maintain the champion's edge? Is it harder and harder as time has passed? And what are your mental hacks to make it happen? Michael. I think we're both going to agree that the longer that you're a champion, especially at the highest level, like the UFC, the motivation gets harder. The money you make starts to get more significant. The things around you to just not want to go and have that same drive in the gym gets harder and harder. And on the opposite end, the people that want to beat you, their intensity, their mental focus, and They've been watching you now for years. The longer you're a champion, there is just tape and there's footage. There's highlights. They know you far more better you know, than, than, than you could possibly know your opponent. So for Amanda Nunes, it's got to be tough. You've really got to dig deep at this point. I mean, she just goes from weight class to weight class, too. You go 145, back down to 135. So they keep that motivation. It's got to be tough. What are some things do you think she's doing or you would do to keep that focus if you were at the top of the game for that long? Well, for one, I think the camp change for her to go from American top team to kind of like camp, camp Nunes, camp Lioness. I think she, I think she calls it the Lioness studio Um, for her to go from American top team to, to create her own gym. That's one way to kind of spruce things up in terms of changing the dynamic in the training room, kind of making training be more all about you instead of being a part of a team, more of a boxing approach. You see that a lot with boxers where they kind of have their own gym, their own camp. I think that she took that approach uh, in this stage of her career. And I think that that helps kind of keep training interesting. And I also think for myself, look, I'm not even close to the pedigree that Amanda Nunez is in terms of being a champion and her accolades. But I know that I've been in this sport just just past 15 years. And I think that when you bring in 
some new blood for training partners, some people that are going to keep you on your toes, that are going to push you, that are going to give you different looks, and that you care yes. about them as well. I think that that also gets you invested in the sport. Like, there's a couple young bucks I train with, Brady and Ashton. They're two guys that, like – And they want to kick your ass all the time. They want to kick my ass all the time. And it's like I want to, I want to do good for them to kind of help kind of pave the way – you know, so I think that when you yeah. change the scenery yeah. and you bring in some new training partners, I think that it, it definitely reinvigorates you as a fighter. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. And I think the change of scenery is a big thing, too. And I think that it gets it gets mixed up in the MMA community where people talk about loyalty or they talk about, oh, so-and-so left them after all. A lot of times, I don't think it has anything to do with the value of a team or a coach in particular but if you're doing the same thing, imagine you work the same job for years and years and years. What do you do to switch it up? Oh, you go on vacation or you do this. But a new job with new tasks and new goals for anybody else is refreshing, right? Well, it's the same thing for a fighter. That is her job for her to go and change up the camp. She's got the money. She's got the means to bring in the people that she wants to put around her. Bring in those new training partners. That's key. You're 100% right on that. Bring in people that all they want to do is take what you have, but as a teammate, they just want to beat you on that day. It's not a malicious thing. If you're the best person in the room, the up-and-coming fighter is going to want to have their best day against you. You need that. You also need to have easier rounds and stuff like that so you don't get hurt and do those types of things, but you definitely need people around you that are gunning for you because that's what these contenders are doing. They're going to lay it 100% on the line when they face you. And to, to, to be somebody like Amanda Nunes, you've got to do different things. You've got to mix it up. Or you're going well, to get stagnant. On that, it's like, think about this, Paul. Like, look how she fought Juliana the second time. That was a completely different yeah. Amanda Nunes. We saw her fight Southpaw for like 90% of the fight. That's a new Amanda Nunes. And I think that that's a product of a new environment of, a, of, her, of her own camp. It is different when, you, when you're a part of a team or when, when essentially you are the team. And every yeah. technique and every practice is geared around making you better. How do you not get the fire reignited to want to compete and put together another string of wins as a champion? So uh, whatever she's doing in terms of to change the scenery, the coaches, the team, it's working very well for her. Yeah. And, and, and I think the last thing I'll say is that when a contender does go and take you out, <laughs> you want to talk about, that being motivation to get back in line, to not be stagnant. Because when you start dominating for years and you're just you're, you're kind of going through the motions or you finish them easy, then somebody comes like Juliana and, and puts you out. It's like, yeah. oh, oh you, your you know, I got to wake up. Yeah, there, there are people out here that can beat me, that are just as good if I'm not on my game 100%. And I think that was huge for Amanda to lose. You know, Thanks sometimes – Sometimes you got to have a bad day. You got to get beaten to get back to where you you really want it to be. You need to be humbled a bit, and I think that's a a big thing. Obviously, it's not how you want it to go if you're a reigning champion, but I mean, we'll see how it pays off again um, this Saturday and see how motivated and hungry she is. But we got to move on. Let's get round two. If Daryush was a sandwich, what type of sandwich <laughs> would he be? Reliable just wants to fight calm, cool, collected. Hashtag UFC Roundup. Okay, so I'll take the lead on this one. Look, I thought I'd do a little bit of research because, you know, <laughs> Darius is a guy, while he is from California, he, he actually, he is Iranian. So I thought, you know, what, what type of Iranian sandwiches are out there? So I did a little research today, and there's a sandwich called a Sosis Bandari, okay? 
and I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's here on my phone. And it is, <laughs> for the most part, it is a filling sandwich that consists of sausages, onions, and garlic, maybe some potatoes, a thick tomato sauce spiced with turmeric and chili pepper, Paul. So this kind of goes to what we were saying before the show. It's almost like a sweet and spicy. Sweet and spicy, like a curry sausage sandwich. Yeah. Just a sounds staple. delicious. It sounds it actually sounds really good. And you know, kind of what you said, Paul. It's a little sweet, it's a little spice, you know, and it's uh yeah. you know, I think it's very fitting for a very cultured man in Benil Darius. And, and you know, it's just like you're saying with the sweet and spicy, we were talking about this before we started the podcast today. Benil, I I'm such a fan of Benil Darius because he he is a very composed, polite, very matter of fact guy. He'll tell it like it is, but he's not going to be rude. He's not going to do anything overly out of the box and be, you know, an a-hole or anything like that. But do not mistake his calm composure for weakness. He is an absolute savage. He just wants to tear your face off in that cage. And he's even said to us in meetings, he's like, me being the nice guy is me putting, not, not that it's an act, but that's how it gets through life. But Benil in the cage, when he gets to let it out and be the fighter and be the athlete, that's who he really is. And that's why a sandwich like that, where you get a little bit of heat, you get a little bit of spice, you get a little bit of everything, is a perfect sandwich for Benil Darius. And when you talk about his style, I mean, this is a guy, you talk about composure, you talk about like demeanor. You His demeanor can be so misleading if you're a guy that has to compete against him because he is, you know, he's kind of gray haired. He's not shredded. You know, he's got a good build, yeah. but he's just like, he's very polite. You know, this is a, is a very religious man. Um, very soft spoken, yes. but dude, he can fight like he is a fighter's <sighs> fighter, like he can do it all, he can knock you out, he can submit you. Uh, you know, he's won gold in, in I think he won gold in worlds, and this was this is back before I fought him. Um, so he's yeah. very, a very polished grappler, and all the time he's spent at King's MMA under Rafael Cordero. You want to talk about a guy that can bring out the mean side of you? I mean, yep. Paul, you've heard the stories about training at King's MMA. I mean, it's, oh, it's the sparring is, is the intense. sparring is like you could you should have to pay twenty dollars for a ticket to get in the door to watch. It's a fight, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a small gym. I've been in King's uh, one time out in California. When you see these things on on countdowns and stuff, the gyms always look way bigger. Now I can see why it's so gritty and intense in there. Yeah. You're kind of all right on top of each other in that gym. Yeah, so you can see. I mean, it's it. it just it's a perfect storm you know you don't let don't and let Benil is a slight favorite in this as well which yeah, we're going to get into I think potentially uh in a bit but when you've got a guy that can grapple and a, and a guy that can strike the way Benil does with his kicking game his what's most important I think will really benefit Benil in this particular fight is when that dog gets brought out of him he yes. is there to go to the end he can be wobbled, his knees can be buckled, and he's still going to be throwing at you to knock your lights out. So Charles has got to be on his game. If Charles starts to get into a slugfest and lets his hands drop the way he throws those knees and moves forward sometimes, he's going to be getting hit with some powerful shots from Benil, from a solid oh, ball. Benil's composed. When it, when it comes to being strong in the storm, I mean, you go back and watch his fight with Jakar close. I mean, Jakar had Go to him. the body. Benil's got to go to the body, I think, in this fight. I think so, too. When you, The way Charles stands with his hands up top. I mean, if anybody knows how to beat Charles, all Paul Felder. <laughs> we got it in. I had to, I had to throw it in there. And make Conor sure to McGregor. tune in to Top 31. Michael Chandler versus Conor McGregor. 
Bam. We there we go. Got it in. <laughs> Next. All right. That being said, we love Benil Daryush. We yes. love Benil Daryush. And I, I think, um, God, I, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to watch that fight live. All that's right, Morgan. The, that's the people. Round team. three. That's the oh, people. my God. It really is. Curious about your thoughts on Nate the Train and Ige matchup. My thoughts off the bat are, oh, my God. Uh, you talk about two guys that got the grit, the determination, the toughness. Two guys that really just want to absolutely lay it out on the line. And this is huge. This is a big step up for Nate to train, but he's earned it. He puts on a performance every single time he goes out there. His skills are developing. I think he's training down in Florida now with um, MMA Masters. I think Nate? you're right. That sounds, that I think, sounds, yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's looked great. He's looked great doing that. I know he leaves his wife and spends a lot of time away from the family. And for him, he's got that mindset of he's got to do that, right? He's got to put in that work. He's got to feel like he's leaving it all on the line. And I like that about Nate. But Dan Ige on the other side, too, just coming off a huge performance. Dan Ige is a guy we were talking about, talking about, and he just had a string of really tough fights against really tough against the best guys against like the The best best guys in his division yeah yeah so i'm excited for that one man yeah i'm excited for nate and with all due respect i think nate tremendous fighter he i mean his fighting style is great his post-fight quotes are fun i mean he's a fun fighter and yeah i don't find dan ege to be a fun fighter he's a fun fighter to watch but I still believe Dan Ige, he's one of the guys that's a contender, you know, in this yeah. in this stacked featherweight division. So, I, I, you know, I this think- is almost a bigger fight, Michael, for Dan Ige to kind of prove to the UFC. OK, you're giving yeah. me this up and comer, this exciting guy. It's yeah. Dan Ige's job to say, mother effer, this is this is my spot and I want to start moving back up that way. But first, 100%. I got to take you out. Yeah, you know, and he, you know, he had the fight with Damon Jackson, who's kind of a fun guy himself, kind of falls in that same category. Like, and I'm yeah. saying, I'm not saying this to disrespect anybody. I'm just saying this from, no. from an analytical perspective. There's fun guys, there's there's the elite guys, and there's the fun guys, and there's the contenders. You can break down each division, you can categorize the fighters. And like there's guys like in Featherweight, like Arosa and Landweir and Damon Jackson, guys that are really fun and they can beat anybody on any given night, but they're fun fighters you got to test them once they put a few wins together against these guys that are, that have the number next to to see if they are a contender to see if they can break out of the pack of being just a fun fighter to see if the, like, Hey, you can, could you have this, would this style work against Elliot Taporia? Would it work against a Josh? Yeah, exactly. So you got to test it to a guy like Dan Egan and Dan for him. Like you said, Paul, hold the spot. You got to hold your ground. You got to go out there and do what you did to Damon Jackson, do a guy named Nate Landwehr that, I mean, he's the guy's got a tremendous amount of grit and toughness. It's a big test and, for both guys. Heart. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think Danny Gay. I mean, I think that he's really righted the ship in terms of how he likes to prepare, learning how to trust himself a little more, and and listen to how he feels he should train for his fight. So I've talked to Dan a lot. He's got a great mm-hmm. mind for the sport, and I think this is going. This is a fight. If fans aren't excited about this one, this is the biggest sleeper on the card. A hundred percent. Yeah. You got, you got a guy that's trying to prove he's a contender and you got a contender who's trying to keep his spot and keep moving forward. Anytime you do that and notice fans that the UFC does these things. If you're a true fan and a diehard, you'll start noticing the patterns of when guys go on losing streaks, then they get a W, then they start facing certain people. It's 
it's a tournament. It's a chess game. And the UFC mm-hmm. does the same thing. They're trying to see, well, how do we match up guys that are going to move and position themselves in the division? And this is one of those fights. So really keep an eye on this one because there's lots at stake for both men. All right. Yep. Moving on. Round four. Have either of you read the judging criteria and studied it in detail after? Do you look at fights through the eyes of the criteria when discussing decisions? That's from Sean Sheehan, who works for Sheerdog, uh, one of the more prominent MMA um, journalists, I guess you could say, um, in MMA. Well, I'll answer Sean directly. Sean, I have not read the judging criteria. And this is something, Paul, that's, that's came up multiple times on Roundup. You know, we have fights. You know, like we saw this last weekend with Kaikar France and Amir Albazi, where mm-hmm. we're left scratching our heads, where a lot of us, the vast majority of people going back to last weekend. So we're kind of rewinding away. We're, we're going to back away from 289 for a second. We're going to talk about what we just saw this last weekend. We're kind of left scratching our heads, asking why what, the why, because you look at the numbers and you look at damage and, and these things that we know just from, from what you hear in the broadcast and you, you see the numbers, you see the metrics and it, it doesn't make sense. So we're just left scratching our heads. I think for myself, it's, it's time for me to, to read the criteria and, and put that type of research in. I, I have not yeah. yet. And at this point, it's time for me to do it. It's part of my job. Paul, I know you've attended some of the classes. This is something you can yeah. do a little better than I can. Yeah. So I, I too have not sit, sat down. I know Laura has, I know, and she has talked to us a lot about it too. When, yeah. when we've worked together and she knows exactly what they're looking for. And I know what they're looking for based on, we did a seminar with these guys and they kind of broke down what, you know, what they're looking for, when they're looking for, what comes first and foremost, then what's secondary was third. And we watched, fights together and we all judged it and then discussed why we judged it certain ways and then discussed why we judged it based on what we should be looking at based on what they are told that they have to do. So it's tough. Anytime it's it's combat sports, man, it's not going anywhere. It's there's two people competing. I don't care what criteria we have. There's going to be opinions you can read that criteria all you want and you're still going to look at certain things through your lens as a judge. And it's just go and finish it. Yeah. That's the best way. I mean, Burt Watson, for people that don't know who Burt Watson is, he always used to tell us the judges are only there to break your heart, go out there yep. and get the finish. And that's, and it's tough. It's easier said than done. To and go of course there. you can't do that. Yeah. Of course. But you can't with the more that. effort you put in to finish the fight, the, you know, I Chances like are you're going to be on the end of the W, but again, there's some, it's, it's tough. I, it's such a hard I, thing, dude. It's a I, hard job, but no. And, and that's why a lot of times, unless it's really, really egregious, I try not to be completely dismissive and throw these judges under the bus because man, I, I don't want that job. I don't want to be sitting in that chair having to dictate determine, who goes home determine with who's getting their other check. Who doesn't it really, it's a tough job. This is the thing that makes it hard is you're literally you're one bad decision away from your the trajectory of your life changing. That win bonus changes yeah. everything in your life. And uh, I think for myself, you know, I need to do I need to put the study. You're in talking about guys had like five split decisions in his career. Yeah, it's it's scary. And even I've when been you on have the, and the and and I've been on the end of one and I felt like I had it like handedly won all three rounds. I've still stood there, been like, Oh my God, oh, is this going to be 100%. the one I get robbed? 
And then there's yeah. fights like Sean Brady where I'm like, God, I hope I get a bad decision that favors me. Right <laughs> I could use that check. Just being honest. I, use that check. <laughs> I want to buy some sliding glass doors. Yeah, I know. My light check. Look at that. It's because it's 6 it's, it's six a.m. here. So I thought like, you know what? I'll I know. Thank you for that. Bar in the kitchen. And I'm like, now I got a six hour drive ahead. I'm trying to use my broad shoulders to block the light. How's this? That looks yeah, good. me too. There, no. I don't have broad shoulders anymore, man. The lights. Going. All right, let's talk, stop talking about broad shoulders and get championship rounds. Let's found five guys. We're done. Oh, it's House, House Cat's back. Watches MMA. This is our favorite. This oh, guy always giving us good tweets. This is um, good excited one. for your fight with Holland. Of course, we all are, Michael. I know you're about eight weeks out, and uh, that's an awesome fight, man. I'm, I'm glad that you're able to bounce back and get such a, a badass fight. Um, question for both of you, me and you, Michael. What missing item at the grocery store or what kick beer at the bar has had you react like this when you're starving and had a less than impact, um, impeccable day? Love the show and be well, UFC Roundup. And obviously, this is a person absolutely slamming, smashing, and freaking out in their car. Michael, you go first. Oh, this is an easy, uh, this is an easy answer for me. For me, <laughs> it's, when, <laughs> it's when I've had a bad day. And I don't want to go home and cook. And I don't like to burden my wife all the time with having to cook and to eat us. So I'm like, I'll just go to the store and get a quick rotisserie chicken from Costco. They got great rotisserie chickens. And yeah, I know they crank them full of potato starch and all this stuff. But look, protein's protein. But when I go they're in delicious. there after, after when I go in there after a long day and they're out of rotisserie chickens, I'm like, smash. Yeah, Hulk smash. Rotisserie chickens. <laughs> Sorry, Morgan, you're gonna yeah, have to bleep that out. I slipped in an F bomb, but I can't help it. If I've had a bad day, and I don't want to cook. Bums, fine. You know, if they're out of rotisserie chickens, and I'm looking for one, it really bums me out. Uh, you know, I just, just to be honest. If it's if it's around the holidays, there's a beer from Trogues Brewing Company that comes out. It's called Mad Elf. And back when I fought, still obviously, sometimes right after a fight, it's all I would want. All I would want was that particular beer. And now it's much more. Now they produce it much more mass market. It, it, it's kind of everywhere, different bottle Here sizes. You can get cans of it. But when, years ago, it was one of those things. It was very crafty. It was one you couldn't get it except for right around Christmas time. And when I would go to the beer store and they'd be sold out of that, oh. it's like all I had my mindset on. All I wanted was Mad Elf, and it would be gone, and I would just be miserable. And I had to settle for something else or a knockoff company you know another brand version of like that same same. winter type of belgian beer and i would break stuff god dang what if what if speaking of breaking stuff this what if you went to get one at the bar and they were out and then the guy that got the last one knocked it over would that piss you off i would probably i would probably smash his face into it make him make him drink it off the bar i have spilled stuff like that and thought about (laughs) kind of doing the (laughs) zamboni the uh and now, by the way, I was not using my nose there, guys. I was slurping <laughs> the beer off. The old Come Zamboni, eh? Yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Anyway, yeah. guys, listen, we're getting to the end of the show. We don't want to keep you here too long. UFC 289 is this week, and Amanda Nunes returns against Arani Aldana, who steps in to face the Lioness. Obviously, a co-main event for the ages. Danny Ige and Nate the Train are on that card as well. As Danny Darius and Charles Oliveira, the people's main event. Come on. And we are back in Canada. Canada, thank you for having us. We are excited to be there. I'll see you this week. UFC Roundup 289.